Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. to Catholic Podcast, and today Kevin and I will be talking about one of the most important topics in the Christian faith, suffering. Suffering can come in all different forms, an illness, a relationship gone wrong, or any number of things that can occur in our daily life. In many ways, our lives are defined on how we respond to suffering. Will we deny it, avoid it, loathe it, or embrace it? This week we'll be looking at three practical steps to handling Stay right here. Hello, hello. Lisa here. And Kevin here as well. We are excited. No, you're not really excited about this episode, (laughs) actually. (laughs) We talked about this. I'm not excited. Not super excited, at least. Glad to be doing it, but not. It's a somber topic. It is a somber topic. We're talking about suffering. And everybody's got to suffer. And that's a hard topic to talk about. Yeah, it's a massive topic to talk about, but it's a good one. And that's why I think this is going to be a great podcast. It's true. So a little backstory on this episode. Why why are we talking about suffering? So I wanted to be liturgical about this. (laughs) (laughs) I... I give no mind or thought to the liturgicalness <laughs> of this topic. Okay, so this was supposed to be actually recorded in season one during Lent. But if you've been listening to the podcast for some time, you know that we kind of took a break and then decided to start breaking up the podcast into seasons. So we took that six-week break. So anyways, ended up not being able to record it for various reasons during Lent. And I thought, well, I don't want to record it during Easter because Easter is a season of joy, which again, Kevin didn't think anything of it. So here we are in ordinary time, not the most liturgically correct time to talk about suffering. But If, if eye rolls could be audible, I just <laughs> eye rolled, but they can't be. So I had to tell you that I just eye rolled. <laughs> eye roll. Yeah. If, yeah, if only, um, Anyways, so suffering. So we're going to be talking about suffering today. And not so much about like why does God allow suffering, not mm-hmm. the deep philosophical, theological thoughts behind suffering, but more so the how do we deal with it? Because it's going to happen. Yep. Not an option. It's part of the human condition. Suffering exists. It's real. All right. What do we do with it? Yeah. And I wanted to start off our time here with a little bit of vision and, um, a little bit of analogy and and some of my own story as well. And I think the analogy is just the analogy of wounds versus scars. And um, when I think of something that's wounded, right, that wound can turn into something worse and it can actually turn into something that kills us, right? It can get infected, it can grow worse, or it can heal and become a scar, which is like a fantastic thing, right? Like you get, okay, I feel like boys. Yeah, boys. Really yeah, they're cool. like, hey, like, let me tell you this cool story. Like, I got a scar, you know. This like, is when I fell off my butt. These are badges of <laughs> honor, you know. And I think when it comes to suffering, surely it creates that wound. But what we do with that suffering is determinant. Well, will it kill us, or will it be a really cool battle scar? And so I think when I think about suffering and how we all suffer, we all have to deal with suffering. Um, in many ways, the way we deal with suffering, I think, will define us in some way, shape, or form um, to a pretty extensive way. 
what is that going to look like in our life? And when we face those wounds, what will they eventually become? And uh, I really like that vision of, yeah, wound versus scar. Yeah, and we want to point out too with this episode that we understand there are various degrees of suffering. Mm-hmm. It's not like, like the examples that we're going to share, we're not trying to say like, and this is the pinnacle of all suffering, but more so these are our experiences with suffering. And mm-hmm. we understand that maybe you're going to look at this and go, oh, that's nothing. Like that's a scratch. Like why are they even whining? Do you know about this in my life or X or Y or yep. Z or I had to go through this or I'm dealing with that. And we don't want to diminish that in any way. But just, we don't want to be focusing on comparing suffering in yeah. this episode, more so looking at how do we deal with the own suffering that we have in our lives, which yeah. is going to be different. Because, yeah, there's really intense suffering of people going through cancer and dying. There's uh, suffering that happens in relationships, loneliness, suffering within marriage, friendships, um, difficulty with a job or, or with school or making a decision or things not going the way we had planned or suffering with money or with health. I mean, there's so many different types of suffering. Um, and so like Lisa said, you know, we're, we're going to give some examples, but mm-hmm. that degree of suffering just, yeah, it can vary so, so much. And I, and I think that we see this, um, obviously in our own lives, but this, this analogy that, that Kevin just shared with the scars, um, you know, with the saints, I was thinking of the saints, like they all had those scars. Like that's one thing they all had in common is they all had suffering in their yeah. life. And so I, I think that we can look to them as an example, but again, we don't want to compare ourselves to them. So. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, you think of like JP2 lost members of his family, um, his father, his mother, his brother. Think pretty about, much his whole family. Yeah, his, his whole family. <laughs> not members. Yeah, not even pretty his much. His, he lost his family. Or you think about you know, Padre Pio who had Sigmata or St. Francis, those are more extreme examples. But again, what amazing saints, yeah, you see them transform suffering into something great, you know? And so I think it's just a a key Catholic habit in life is what do we do with suffering? Great. So I think, Kevin, this might be a good time for you to share a little bit about, there's kind of a specific story that we want to talk about um, with Kevin, and and he's going to kind of Share a bit because he has this issue that's been going on. And yeah. I think we've probably mentioned it in all the podcasts before. I think so. Like here and there. Yeah. So give give us the rundown, Kevin. What's one piece of your life that has caused suffering? Yeah. So I think um, like many Americans, it seems like these days I've had a lot of stomach issues. Probably since we've been dating. <laughs> just a long time ago. I know, but it makes me feel like maybe it was my fault somehow, it's which not, is not true. It's not your fault, Lisa. <laughs> just Channeling my Robin Williams, it's not your fault. Yes. Just happened to coincide with... Yeah. <laughs> no. Not... So, anyways, it, it's an, my point is, it's been an ongoing, long thing, and this has gotten worse and worse and worse over time. Um, and just trying to figure out, what do I do with this this issue and so we've tried different things over the year you know do we cut back dairy do we try to go on different diets and try different diets and things don't work and it's just bothersome you know it's just not not great and you've seen like every kind of doctor i mean we did even some of the weird stuff like we've done a lot we've done things we've done yeah we've done a lot of things <laughs> there was one thing i don't even remember what it was but somebody like this holistic doctor where he was holding something while they were doing it. i don't remember I don't, not to diminish i try to block out <laughs> all things 
And we're not trying to like poke fun or diminish. I'm sure that there are holistic doctors who can do amazing things. Yeah. It just seems bizarre as you're doing it. And unfortunately it did not work for Kevin and perhaps it worked for others, but didn't work for Kevin. And so we got to a point with the doctor I've seen most recently where I just went on a really extreme diet um, to try to, um, and l- it's very trendy to do like whole 30 uh, these days. That's like a yeah. thing. But mine was like a whole 330. I don't know the best <laughs> way you describe it. It was like a whole everything but 30. Yeah. Like you had 30 items you could eat. Yeah. Well, I'm a pretty picky eater to start. So that doesn't really <laughs> That's help. True. You had more options. You just didn't take them all. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to give myself less credit. But um, I mean, the diet was basically cut out. Let's see if I can remember the big ones. All gluten, mm-hmm. sugar, mm-hmm. dairy, mm-hmm. soy, mm-hmm. corn, mm-hmm. and then other things. I mean, it's basically like organic meat, fruits, and vegetables. Yeah, and but not even all. Like you couldn't do potatoes or corn. Which or, yeah, or tomatoes at a point in time. I took yeah, it out. Yeah, nightshades. I learned a lot about. I even yeah, categories. I didn't know what a nightshade was. No eggplant, which you didn't care about eggplant anyway. No sesame seeds. Yes, because that was something that specifically you have like a high intolerance for. Yeah. And cranberries, but sesame seeds was actually sad because that's hummus. <laughs> the sad part is I ate hummus a lot when I first started the diet for like a month or two, and then we realized. Oh, no. Oh, no. So the idea, to give you an idea of why I'm doing all this, is called an elimination diet. And the goal is to try to eliminate all the bad things that could potentially harm you out of your diet. Then once you get to a place of normalcy with your stomach and digestion, then you can add items back in, and then you can see which items are causing the irritations. Correct. So we started last August on this elimination diet, and over the few months, the problem was, even though I eliminated to the extreme, we couldn't get back to normal health. And by we, I mean me and my stomach. Just couldn't quite get to a place of, great. And, and there'd be moments where like, oh, this is better, that's for sure, but not great. And so um, two difficulties, I think one was, okay, I'm not eating what I, I would normally like to eat. Praise God I have food. Praise God I have organic food. Like, that's amazing. But at the same time, not being able to eat a lot of just very normal things that you'd have to do having to go out of my way to make meals, you going out of your way to make meals. It's not just a me thing. It was definitely yeah, I was going to say, when did you hands. make meals? I made lots of meals. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can debate that offline. I would not say lots of meals. The point is... <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and this is this is where I'm talking about let's not compare suffering, but in a minor way, like yeah. it caused suffering to oh, me because absolutely. I, was, I had to go shopping like... Two yeah, or three times a week. At least twice a week. Yeah, because everything had to be fresh, organic. Like, yep, not I could not use everything I was making was homemade from scratch. And if you know me, I don't like cooking. I don't. I try. I want to like it. So sometimes I force myself to do it. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm going to have fun with this. But usually it's not. I just, it's not me. And so to have to all of a sudden not only make Kevin these organic meals and be shopping all the time my kids wouldn't eat 90% of whatever Mm -hmm. I made for him. So I was making two dinners every night and I couldn't ever just say we're having pizza or we're Mm -hmm. grabbing Chick-fil-A. That was not an option during these Mm -mm. seven months. Yep. So yeah, again, not comparing suffering. I was grateful that I was able to eat what I wanted throughout the process, but it was a lot. 
and on everybody. You, you did the whole 30 actually the first month. So you tried to do it with me, which was very noble. <laughs> and I was such a sourpuss that whole month. <laughs> wow, I, that's the first time I heard you admit that. That's no, great. I think I said that. I don't know if you had. Maybe not sourpuss, but I definitely okay. recognized that I was a crab on Whole30. It did not bring me joy at all. At all. And everybody's like, you'll feel so different. And for me, (laughs) not good different. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I got like left the whole 30 diet, got back on my regular diet, I noticed no difference. It was like, I could, yeah, my body just has like tolerates everything. I, I, I felt no different. Except for beef. That's the only thing your body doesn't tolerate. That's true. Cause I was raised vegetarian for the most part. So I think we give this example more so not because, again, this is this awful, ridiculous thing, but more so it's like, okay, this is a personal experience of suffering that I had to process because when you go without for that long, you have to say, what am I going to do with this? Because it's not necessarily fun making the meals, even though I didn't always make them. It's not fun necessarily not eating the things you like. It's not fun necessarily eating things that are healthy for you that you don't like. And it's not really fun to not feel like you can figure out your health issues. So it's just, yeah. what do I, what do you do in that situation? You, I feel like you go through different stages, you know, mm-hmm. like at first you're denial, like I don't want to do this diet. I mean, the first time we tried to do the diet, I literally just backed down and said, I don't want to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. You know, that's right. I went out shopping with my friend Allie and got all this stuff and brought it home and Kevin was, was freaked like, nope. out. He was like, never mind. Right. Like I'll literal, <laughs> literal denial. And then you get into like woes me you know like oh this is so awful and let me tell you how bad it is and let me talk about oh, i am on this diet and it's just so bad um and that lasts for a while and then everyone's like yeah i get it thanks for sharing um yeah and then you get to a point where you're like all right i'm just gonna do it in white knuckle like let's do this but then i think that wears off eventually as well because you you're still suffering. You still have to do something. You can only with it. do that for so long. Like yeah. live in that for so long before yep. it's bad. Yeah. And so I think I just got to a point where you just have to have acceptance, like on a range of things, whether it's the food I'm eating or just I'm not up to health, you know, like I'm not at a place and um and how to how to transform that suffering into something to offer that up for people to think about the the great things you do have in life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so let's get practical. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, I think we all know exactly what you're talking about. We've all mm-hmm. had those situations in our own life. And what do you do with that? Like, what do you do with those situations where you just, you have to get to a point of acceptance because it's it's your reality. And of course, you're always trying, you know, to do what you can, not to, you know, <laughs> sit in hot tubs all day and, you know, drink mimosas, but, you know, to accept like, all right, what are we going to do with this in reality? So what do we do? What's, yeah. what's the first step? What can we do? Great. So we're going to look at three practical steps. And I think the first practical step is just our attitudes towards suffering. And I think it's really important for us to recognize that in the Western world, particularly in America, we hate suffering. And we probably don't even realize it as much, but I think one of our number one principles as Americans is to avoid suffering and to seek out comfort. Like all of our advertising, we're constantly told, whatever problem we have, we'll solve it. Whatever discomfort you have, there's a remedy. Like there's always an app for that. Like there's always a solution to whatever you're going through is to make it better. 
and absolutely avoid it. And I think just in general in our society, we like to put suffering to the side. We like to have nursing homes where we put old people who are dying. And so it's not in front of our eyes and we don't have to think about it. And, and the elderly aren't in our homes. And I know there's obviously reasons for nursing homes and, and realistic reasons to do that. But I do think it's interesting that other cultures bring the elderly into their home and take care of them. And we don't, we like export it and don't necessarily always want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a good kind of like uh, symptomatic example there. Mm-hmm. And so our attitude is, I think, uh, in many ways, um, is just realizing that suffering is a part of life, that we're not just trying to deny it. And when I think about suffering, one of the best places I can turn, and that's given me solace in the past, is Jacques Philippe. Um, he's amazing. Love the Jacques. Jacques and I are like, <laughs> we're bros, you know? <laughs> he's my, my Frenchman. He's your dojo. Yeah, my Frenchman dojo. Jacques Philippe, if you don't know, is this amazing spiritual master. He's still living today. Occasionally he comes to Denver, which is like awesome. Even You've seen him? He came to the focus office and said mass. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. I mean, I, I just couldn't remember when and where. That's okay. Yeah. He doesn't know a lot of English, but his books are translated from French into English. Yeah, and that wasn't like a, have you seen him? It was like, you've seen him, right? Oh, yeah. I heard like a question mark. Sorry. Not an exclamation part mark. Okay. Um, so he says this, and I'll, I'll quote him like a couple times during this podcast, but he says this about suffering. He says, we need to develop this kind of realism and once and for all stop dreaming of a life without suffering or conflict. That is the life of heaven, not earth. We must take up our cross and follow Christ courageously every day. And so it's just added to that suffering is going to come, but are we going to carry a cross with Christ? Or are we going to try to escape it? And, um, suffering as I think of this attitude, um, Many times when we, we think about suffering, I think one of the hardest things about suffering and the hardest things we have with our attitude about suffering is the fear of suffering, right? Like one, one example I think from our own lives uh, in our own family is, you know, somebody in our family gets sick. And then the worst part about that person getting sick is just the fear of everyone else in the house getting sick, right? That's actually worse than the sickness itself sometimes. That's like a realistic fear. <laughs> <laughs> That is almost how the ball bounces when you have kids because they don't, they just can't take care of themselves properly. They, you try to quarantine them and they still get their germs everywhere. But Which I agree though. I do. My, my mind goes to like worst case scenario. Yeah. Like we're all going to be vomiting at the exact same time and um, we're going to not get to take our vacation that's planned for four months out. Right. Like, yeah, maybe not that bad, <laughs> but you know, I look to the weekend and I start canceling things and it's Monday but I'm just like, it's going to take forever. Yeah. And we begin to suffer, not from the thing itself, but what it could become, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's a lot of not living in the present moment. Like we just, our attitude towards suffering, just, it, it becomes just, just filled with fear, you know? So I guess the question is, you know, what do we actually do with suffering when it comes our way? Um, how do we have the, the correct attitude for it? And this is what Jacques Philippe says, and it's, it's profound and difficult. Get excited. He says, we should not limit ourselves to accepting things grudgingly, but should truly consent to them and not endure them, but in a sense, choose them. Even in fact, we have no choice. And that's what most annoys us, right? So like we get into points where we, we actually don't feel like we have a choice with suffering. But he's like, but you do. You still have a choice of whether how you, how you handle. How you react. To yeah. It. Yeah. 
He goes on, he says, choosing here means making a free act by which we not only resign ourselves, but also welcome the situation. That isn't easy, especially in cases of really painful trials. But it's the right approach, and we should follow it as much as possible with faith and hope. And that's so countercultural to welcome fear. Just crazy. I mean, that's the path of a saint right there. Yeah. Like, that's what the saints would do they would embrace it and thank god for it which is a hard place to get to yeah like that's not like we're talking about this and i'm reading this book and philippe's my french dojo but like i'm still like not quite on board you know like wait i'm supposed to welcome it i'm supposed to choose it you know Mm -hmm. that does it that's so anti-modern american Mm -hmm. but that's i mean that's the attitude that we're called to have and to strive for you know Mm -hmm. we can't get it perfectly Mm-hmm. Like imagine, you know, if, if when our kids get sick, if I at least had the attitude of like, all right, let's just embrace it for this moment and didn't allow the fear of the suffering to come to affect my attitude even more and get even more frustrated or even more upset about it or even more aggravated by it. Mm-hmm. That would be a step. Yeah. I think that's a step we can all take. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of that verse from James. See if I... Yeah, it's James 1, 2. Consider it joy, my brethren, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Yeah, that's just, how do you welcome? How do you be joyful? It's just, it's an amazing attitude, but one, I think, to strive for. It's amazing. Awesome. All right, so that's our first point, how to handle suffering. Practical step here is is your attitude. Check your attitude. So we're going to take a little break here for our new favorite segment hacks and highlights and our hack today is going to be very simple here uh i don't know about you but oftentimes when i am in the middle of something like a novena or if i've set a resolution to try to pray the divine mercy chaplet which is that great prayer that we got from saint faustina that we pray at three o'clock during the hour of mercy when christ was on the cross it can be really easy to forget so our hack for today is so simple Most of us have a phone or a watch on us, and that's simply just to set an alarm. On my phone, I've got, at 3 o'clock, a little alarm that goes off and just says Divine Mercy Chaplet. And maybe not every day can I stop and pray the full Divine Mercy Chaplet because that's my state of life right now. I'm in the car picking up the kids usually at 3 o'clock. But in that moment, I can say, for the sake of His sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the world. And just remember at that moment the Divine Mercy Chapel, or if it's a novena or something. Kevin and I are notoriously terrible at novenas. Like, <laughs> the worst. Are, we're the worst. Um, we did a pretty good job on our pilgrimage. We did. We did Not then. fully good job, but pretty good. Yeah, but usually when we're doing a novena, if we don't have an alarm or a reminder of some sort, we end up having to double up some days, or it's like, well, we'll do it once in the morning and <laughs> once at night for the night, day before. Anyway, so that is our Catholic hack for you. If you're trying to do a consistent prayer at a certain time or for a certain amount of days, simple, set an alarm. Yep. And our highlight is Jacques Philippe, my French dojo. Just want to encourage you to pick up one of his books. If your spiritual life needs a jolt, if your prayer life needs a little something, uh, what I love about Philippe is that he gives classic um, spiritual knowledge and wisdom in a very modern format. You feel like he's speaking to you today because, in fact, he is speaking to people today. He's alive. He's alive. And I love St. Francis of Sales, and I love Imitation of Christ. I love all these classic works. But there's just something that he can really hit on who we are today and where we're at today. So um, different people have different favorite Jacques Philippe books. Mine is Interior Freedom, 
that just really hits home for me. Other people, I think the number, his number one book is probably Searching for and Maintaining Peace. That's a daily devotional and it just will rock your world. It's fantastic. And they're all small. They're pretty small, yeah. short books. So you mm-hmm. feel like you accomplish something. Yep. Sometimes I pick up something like, um, who is it that's really crazy long? Is that the Diary of St. Faustina? Oh man, don't get me started on the length of Diary of St. Faustina. Yeah. I keep wanting to read that, but I'm like, Mm-mm. Yeah. Not this year. Yep. Because it's going to take me the whole year. <laughs> it's going to take me a whole year. <laughs> totally. So that's our highlight, Jacques Philippe. Excellent. All right. So let's move on to number two, practical steps for handling suffering action. Good. So we did attitude and then action. All right. Well, we actually have to, we're going to develop a great attitude for it, but then what do we actually do with it? And one thing that Philippe points out in a very realistic way, he says, now, if you can get out of suffering, do it, right? He's like, if you have a headache, <laughs> you can take Advil. That's okay. You don't have to say like, oh, I've got a headache. So therefore like, it's time to like suffer. It's like, mm-hmm. take take the Advil. I think you're going to be okay. So that's, that's just a really good practical tip is we don't just have to like be n- narcissistic and be like, sweet pain, you know, mm-hmm. get it out of it if you can. You don't have narcissistic snake. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's the wrong word. What's that called? I don't know. I don't know what it is. People who like pain. <laughs> I mean, because you do hear stories of saints who are like, I ref- they refuse to get the medications or whatever. Um, but there's a grace that comes with that. And if that grace isn't there, like, you can't like force that grace. You know, like they, mm-hmm. they, nat- they, they do, they do it with joy. But if you're like, I'm not there today, Lord, like take the Advil. It's, it's a uh, masochistic, not narcissistic. Ah, there we go. Woo! Yep. Got that cleared up. Make Sorry, sure. everybody. Yes. What? T- a, yeah. Take an action. Take an action. What else can we do, Lisa? Um, you know, I th- with this point, it kind of reminds me of a story that my my spiritual director's sister Susan, who we don't talk about near enough on the podcast because she's amazing. Yeah. Sister Susan, um, when I there was something going on in her life, and it wasn't like this massive suffering. It just was something that was causing suffering and, 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 um, just kind of sadness in my life. And here's what she told me to do. And it's, it's a tip that I feel like I'm constantly sharing with people. Um, but she would basically tell me, Lisa, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to adoration as soon as you can. And I want you to write a letter to Jesus that just lays everything out there, how you're feeling, why you're feeling that way, what's causing you to, um, have just kind of the greatest sadness. Like, what is it that's going on that's bothering you? And just write it all out. And she said, what I want you to do with that letter is then I want you to fold it up and I want you to put it in your pocket or put it in your purse. And when you go to mass next time, I want you to imagine yourself taking that letter and as they bring up the gifts, putting that letter with the gifts Hmm. and having them take it up to the altar for you. And I want you to leave it there on the altar where Christ can unite your suffering with his suffering and you can unite your suffering with his suffering. And I want you to trust that he, like he did in, in the bread and the Eucharist, can transform it. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And then she said, and, there's, and then here's what you're going to do. I'm like, well, what more is there to do? She's like, I want you to put that note in your pocket next time you go to Mass. Because the chances are you're going to try to take that back. You're going to give it to him, but you're going to try to take it back. So every time you go to mass, I want that note in your pocket or in your purse. And every time you watch those gifts go up, I want you to imagine yourself giving it to the Lord so he can take it and unite it. 
And you do that as many times as you need to do it until one day when you go to mass, you don't think about that note. You don't Mm -hmm. think about that thing. And you've gotten to a point where you have given it to the Lord, where there is some peace in it. And it's not something that's constantly on your mind, constantly bothering you. And that's something that I've been able to do and has just really been a gift to me in terms of an action that I can take. And I feel like I'm doing something Mm -hmm. to try to unite that suffering with our Lord and try to get to that point where my attitude is, Lord, I accept this. And that's, that's ultimately the difference between the world that rejects and tries to avoid suffering and Catholics who can accept it and even be joyful about it is because we can transform it into something beautiful, right? Like the Lord can Mm -hmm. actually take that and build into a beautiful scar. We can take that and we can offer it up for other people because we know suffering is actually redemptive, right? The Lord dies on a cross, which provides salvation. That doesn't make sense, but the Lord actually takes suffering and says, no, these things that you feel, these things that go on in your life, these things that are horrible, I'm actually going to make them beautiful. I'm actually going to turn them into scars. And we have the opportunity. And that's that's the crux of, I think, our action is using that transformation that the Lord provides and, and doing that, whether it's offering up with the gifts and giving it to our Lord who can take it or just offering it for other people. And we can say, I can, I can use this suffering to give it up for others. Um, yeah, that's, that's the essence of, I think, the difference between us yeah. and the world. And I say, yeah, I'm always like, don't ever waste suffering. Like I have to mm. remind myself of that. Yeah. Like there's always someone to offer it up for. There's always something to offer it up for. And so if it's going to come anyway, at least I can go, well, at least that was for something. And I remember when you were going through with your stomach, Yeah. like he would just like, when he would walk by like <laughs> cookies or a cake, he would just go souls. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's all I had. Yeah. Like that's all I had. Cause I just wanted to eat that food but I could offer it up for, you know, and I just thought of some of the students in focus or folks at my parish or people we're trying to reach out to. It's just like that, that the Lord, like, I want you to work through this. I want to give this up for them, you know, cause that, that mm-hmm. gives me something than nothing. It's an action you can take, yeah. you know, I'm not going to waste it. Like I'm going to offer it up for this person, this situation, this, whatever is going on. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. All right. So the last thing, which I feel like is actually a great lead in here. Um, practical step is community. Community. Uh, maybe just every episode of season two, I'll quote C.S. Lewis, but here's what he says. (laughs) Let's make it a goal. (laughs) He says, friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, what? You too. And I think with suffering, it's so important that we have friends. It's so important to have community and people that we can suffer with. That we can sit down and say, not to complain and not to whine, but say, boy, this is really difficult. It was really helpful when I was on the diet to have our friend Allie, who is going through similar things, whether it be food prep or just avoiding eating things or eating things she might not like. and say, She was on crazy diet too. Yeah. She was on the whole day <clears throat> 30. And, and to say, oh, was it? Oh, and she go, oh, yeah, I know how you feel. That's so, oh, man, I really wanted to eat that. Or that was really annoying or whatever it might be. Yeah, that that's where friendship's born. And that's where you just need those people to help you walk through it. And so whatever that situation is, find those people. Whatever mm-hmm. friendships you have, talk about suffering what are you going through right now and be real with one another i think that's that's what we need as humans to transform that suffering into this stinks into this is how i'm becoming more human this is how i'm becoming more like christ through this you know yeah it's so powerful to know you're not alone yeah and i think no matter how deep or you know that wound is or how desperate your situation might be there are always people who have who have been there Mm -hmm. and who have experienced that and so Reaching out, and, and if you don't know anybody, maybe in your specific situation, start praying for that. Like, Lord, I need somebody who can walk with me in this, who's been there. 
Yep. And you can speak not as an outsider, but as an insider. Um, just be praying for that. Like reveal that person to me, Lord. Find that person for me. I need that support. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Lisa, do you want to provide the how-to challenge for our week? Yes. Our how-to challenge for today's podcast is to write that letter. If you have a situation in your life, uh, something that's that's going on, that's causing you deep suffering, um, again, not comparing it to anybody else, but suffering, it's valid. It's, it's what you're experiencing. And if it's putting you in a place of suffering, I want you to go to adoration as soon as you can and write that letter and just lay it all out there. And, um, next time you go to mass, have it with you in your pocket, in your purse, and just offer it up to the Lord and do that as many times as you need to and trust that he can transform your heart. That's my prayer all the time is, Mm. um, like God, this is what I want, but if it's not what you want, then change my heart. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's always like the last thing I come back to. It's like, this is not what I want, but if it's you want what you want, you got to change my heart. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is our show for today. But one last thing is we still need your hacks. So as you go to hacks and highlights for season two, we'd love to hear from you. Any hacks that you have, really want to feature some of yours uh, on our show. So go ahead and email those to hello. That's hello at made to magnify dot com hello at made to magnify dot com thanks for joining us today hope you're enjoying season two as much as we are be saints it's worth it